Hey, North, happy 4th of July. Man, I'm glad you decided to join us here for worship today. When you came in, you should receive two things. One of these connect cards in your bulletin, and B, an ice cold diet, sun drop. If you're a first time guest of ours today, please take just a minute to fill out this before you leave and drop it in the offering bucket on your way out. And put your empty sun drop can or your diet sun drop can in the recycle on your way out. By the way, here's a tip. You want to save a little space in the recycle? You can take your can and you squish it like this. <laughs> mm. Man, that hurt. Y'all want to know why this can wouldn't squish? It's because it's made in America, baby. That's right. Y'all have a great day and enjoy the service. Is that good? Yes. Oh my gosh, your head is bleeding. Hold the head. This head is bleeding. Made in America. Well, all right. That was an interesting video, right? Uh, that is not staged in any way. Uh, I will tell you, well, he knew what was going on. We didn't. And that is legit blood. So um, anyway, we were uh, excited to bless y'all with that this morning. Man, welcome in. Happy 4th. We get the opportunity to celebrate what God is doing in the life of our church through baptism. And this is the first of a bunch that are going to be uh, being baptized uh, over the next few weeks. So we're excited about what God's doing in the life of our church. And so uh, William has come today for baptism. His dad got baptized here uh, a few months ago. And so uh, now William has come making his decision uh, public that he made at VBS. So William, come on, man. It's warm, buddy. I'm just going to tell you. It's kind of hot. I know. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> it's warm ain't it yeah. all right all right you're not gonna be in danger of getting too cold right all right good deal man william man we're so proud of you buddy excited for the decision that you made for the lord okay buddy william let me ask you have you made the decision to follow christ as your lord and savior amen buddy well cause of that profession of faith i baptize you my brother in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit hold your nose buddy. wash in the blood of jesus and raised in newness of life. Amen, buddy. <laughs> All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer as we continue our worship. Father, thank you so much for today. God, I thank you for William's example. God, I thank you for his obedience to follow you in baptism. And God, I just pray that you would do awesome things in his life as he continues to follow you. This step, as we pray for so many, God, would be the first step of a lifetime of walking in obedience with you. And so, Father, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for what you're going to do, what you're going to teach us in this service. And we pray, pray that you would be glorified and exalted through it all. It's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. All right. Good morning. Welcome, 4th of July, people. Let's go ahead and stand. We're going to begin in worship this morning, and uh, we're going to sing this first song. It's called This Is Amazing Grace. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory. The King above all kings Who shakes the whole earth With holy thunder Who leaves us breathless In awe and wonder The King of glory 
above our king. Come on, lift it. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. I sing for all that you've done for me. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King of glory, who rules the nations. With truth and justice shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. The King of glory, the King above all kings. Oh, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. Sing this with me. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. God. Those of us who are his children, it's so cool because, you know, if you walk with the Lord, you see how God changes you and he, he makes you into somebody that's different than you were before. If I meet somebody that, that I knew from high school, even though I wasn't like the worst kid in high school, I'd be like, no, I'm not that guy anymore. And a lot of you may be that same way. And it's funny how God uses experience. He uses 
his word and, and his truth and his faithfulness to, to change us. And so this morning, that's what this song's about. It's, it's about how God changes us and he uses all of our failures and all of our mistakes to make us into people who are like him. In my mother's womb, before me with your hands, known and loved by you. Before I took a breath, when I doubted, Lord, remind me I'm wonderfully made. You're an artist and a potter, I'm the canvas and the clay. And you make all things work together for my future and for my good. You make all things work together for your glory and for There's a healing light just beyond the clouds. Though I walk through fire, I see clearly now. I know nothing has been wasted, no failure or mistake. Cause you're an artist and a potter. I'm the canvas and the Wonderfully made. 
Father, just for truth, God, in these songs, and, and Lord, just the message of the gospel in these songs. Lord, we, we praise you for Jesus. We thank you, God, for Jesus who came, God, to, to pay a price that we couldn't pay. And Lord, I pray this morning as we dive into your word and we continue in worship and we study and we see what it says, that God, you would have freedom in this place to change us, to, to convict us so that we leave here differently and we leave here more like you. Lord, we thank you and we praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Uh, man, thank you so much, Will. Man, what an incredible job of worship. And thank you so much uh, for coming and, and worshiping with us here at Lindsay Lane North. We are super excited about what God is doing in the life of our church. Man, we have had two very, very big events uh, here back to back. Our VBS, we got to celebrate a baptism of that and had seven that made decisions for Christ. And so we've got them and others that are going to be baptized here in the next couple months. Uh, but also uh, last Sunday. So last Sunday was an awesome time. And I know many of you gave a lot of hours and a lot of effort to pull that off. Food trucks and fireworks, literally, depending on who you ask, anywhere from 1,500 to 2,000 people uh, were there. And man, we made a lot of first-time contacts, uh, all three campuses, and, and man, we just thank you so very, very much. It makes a difference uh, in this community. We want to be a church that is doing that. We're in the community and for the community, and we don't just want to pay lip service to that. And so... Uh, we are continuing in our Untouchables series this Sunday. We are uh, in our third week of the Untouchable series, touching on things that pastors sometimes like to avoid. And today, the subject that we'll be talking about is, is very, very relevant to the day that we live in. Uh, race and racism and how it relates to the church is a major, major divisive issue that the enemy is using. And so uh, in order to really give you the bulk of what we're going to be talking about today, I had an interview with one of my great friends. His name is Jarman Leatherwood. He's the pastor of House of Hope and Restoration in Huntsville. And we, Will and I went over, spent some time with him. And man, if there is anybody that I trust, it is, it is this man. He is an incredible man of God doing an incredible work 
in uh, Huntsville, actually at the church where my granddad used to serve as a headmaster for the school that they had, uh, and the church uh, gave way and, and, and was unable to keep the doors open, it declined a little, and so uh, they came in, and man, they are doing such an incredible job. I don't think there's anybody in Huntsville he doesn't know, um, and so doing a great job there, and so I went to him for some perspective on, on an issue that sometimes can be very, very one-sided in the context that we live in. And so I want you to check this out, man. I trust this man. If he has invested a lot of time, effort, and energy into your pastor and into our church. Uh, and so I want you to listen to this interview um, as, we, as we get dive, we dive in today. All right, y'all check this out. We're, we're in the middle of an untouchable series. And so the idea is things that pastors tend to shy away from for whatever reason. Um, and, uh, and, so, and so one of the things that we, we have kind of highlighted in that is, is race. Uh, and so we know what's, what you know, racism is a, and race is a hot button topic today, um, that it is, it's wreaking havoc in a lot of areas. Uh, and so I wanted, to, uh, I wanted to bring you in just to kind of give some perspective uh, to, to everybody, anybody that may be listening, whether live stream, online, or, or in person uh, about this. And so the, it, it's a huge hot button topic. So give us some of your experiences and maybe just any preliminary thoughts that you might have on, on this subject. Race, racism, those, those kind of things as we kind of dive in. Sure. The reality of scripture says that, you know, um, you rejoice with those who rejoice, you mourn with those who mourn. Yeah. And, uh, and, I, and so I just want to kind of zero in on some things that I personally went through um, yeah. growing up. So I was in sixth grade. And, you know, you, you know you're growing up, you're kind of living life. And, um, you know, as a kid, you know, you're kind of free from a lot of devices that the world might put on you. And so you just kind of look forward to waking up watching SpongeBob and Cat Dog. I mean, you know, so I was kind of free from a lot of devices. But I, st I remember one day in sixth grade um, in my elementary school, they rolled in the television during Black History Month. And um, when they turned it on, it really began to talk about the history, you know, of African-Americans here on USO. And so the first one of the first images that I saw was a young black man being hung from a tree. Um, another image that I saw uh, was, was dogs, canines, being sicked on individuals um, who were literally not doing anything yeah. and uh, being sprayed down with water hoses. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing one movie um, that was a spinoff from what they showed us on the screen of a guy who was being hung and they put on a shotgun and they shot him so many times that his body was spinning while he was hanging from the tree. And I remember asking the question that day, man, why is that happening? Yeah. Like, why does something like that happen to a human being? I'm in sixth grade. And, and I'll be truthful, like, at that moment, something rose up in me because it didn't make sense why someone would put someone through so much pain. So, sure. so automatically, there's a sense of anger and a sense of hurt because this doesn't make sense to me. Right. What did they do that was so wrong? Then, as you start hearing, you know, um, getting information and, and hearing some of the conversations about that was centered around that, then you discover 
you know, that, you know, there was a hatred towards, you know, African-Americans, people of dark skin. And, and so this sense of needing to do something about it, you know, begins to rise up on you. Because at this point, I'm in sixth grade. I don't, you know, my, my, my gospel influence is not that strong right, at this point. Sure. But I'm trying to make sense of how does this happen. And so automatically you're taught that if you are a dark person, that you're not liked by those who have light skin. Right. Now, now there were several other instances, of, you know, where this was kind of embodied, you know, in my life. Sure. But I want to fast forward because I need you guys to understand uh, the magnitude of how serious the climate that we're in now is. Yeah. My son, um, Christian, who was six years old at the time, uh, during Black History Month. Um, he goes to a school, you know, where, you know, it's important um, um, to, the, to, to this school, you know, and to the administration that they teach kids about, and, you know, their history. Right. And some of the things that black people had to endure. Right. He comes home to me one day, and I'm sitting there in my chair, and my six-year-old son, come, and it broke my heart, comes over to me, and he whispers in my ear, he said, Daddy, he said, white people don't like us. So you're talking about me when I was in the sixth grade, yeah. and now things have progressed so bad that my six-year-old son, yeah. who should be enjoying the same cartoons that I'm talking about, right. comes to me saying that white people don't like us. And at that point, I had to sit him down and really begin to give him instruction and talk to him about how that's not true. Yeah. You follow me? Right. And that's a heartbreaking conversation to have oh, gosh. with yeah. your six-year-old son. Absolutely. And so what is it about the climate, brother, that's so real and so hurtful and so painful yeah. that a six-year-old, you know, comes home and he says this, but then you understand the importance of our influence in the life of our kids, that if we're teaching this. And so yeah. you, you didn't discover what Nelson Mandela says, you know, like racism is something that's taught. It's not something yeah. that people are born with. Right. Like, and so if racism can be taught, if hatred can be taught, then so can love. That's right. And so I'm saying to him, son, that's not true. Because I know, fr I have friends yeah. that are lighter than I am. Yeah. You understand? Right. And so, and who loves me dearly and who I love dearly. Mm -hmm. And so I'm saying regardless of what the world is saying, we can't allow the world to hijack the narrative and let them paint the picture of how we should love one another. Absolutely. You understand? Absolutely. And so just because the world says um, that we should hate each other, you know, what does God say? There's a guy who wrote a book, um, Howard Thurman, uh, Jesus and the Disinherited. What he talks about in this book is it's really going to blow your mind. This guy says he went to, I think it may have been India, and he sat down with a guy uh, who invited him out to tea, I think it was. He said that the guy said, um, sat there for a few minutes, didn't say anything. Mm. And eventually he looks at him and he says, man, you are a sellout to the dark-skinned people. He said, why are you here? And then he said, what do you mean? He said, you're a sellout to the dark-skinned people. He said, because, he said, your people were brought over here. Get this. They were script of the native tongue, brought over here on slave ships named Jesus. When they arrived here on U.S., when they arrived on U.S. soil, they were bought by Christian ministers in the basement of churches by those who said they loved God. He says, he, can re he recalled of a story when a young man had went and stole some food for his family. And the church members got up, left the building, 
came back in, uh, I left the building, hung the guy, came back in and sat down and picked back up as if nothing had ever happened. Wow. He said, and the question becomes, is why are you here? Well, you see a similar story happening, I think, in the book of Acts, where they wouldn't necessarily stone a person in Jerusalem, but they would take them outside Jerusalem, and then they would stone them. And so when guys begin to look at the comparison between stories as similar to that, you ask yourself, you know, how could a God like that love me? And how could a God, or how could, you know, people like that even represent the God of the Bible? That's not God's way. That some people want the book for bad, and some people want want, want to use the book for good. Right. And so when you can learn that this kind of behavior doesn't reflect the heart of Christ, then it's a different conversation. Right. Right. You follow me? Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and it's amazing to me sometimes how we lump everybody in the same basket and we assume that just because one person is bad, that everybody else sure. is the same. Yeah. I think too often the church doesn't respond to the, the message outside of a relationship with God of, of hate. They don't respond in love. And I think the result of that is, is division. We see the issue of race and the sin of racism. And I don't want to mix words there. It is, it is sin that's, that's when exactly that exists. It's right. exactly, and so when we see that, as the, as the world sees that, um, the enemy is at work at every level. Mm-hmm. So we see him in our country. We see him dividing our country. We live in the most divided that our country has ever been in. Uh, scary, scary times. If we're, if we're, again, operating outside of a framework of faith that is in us by the nature of our Father, right. Uh, if it, we can operate in fear, but it's dividing our country. But even more important that I want to discuss for us is, and this is dividing the body of Christ. This is the bride of Christ. That Jesus died just as equally for me as he did for you. And, and so when we see this happening, speak a little bit to that and how, how the enemy is at work in dividing the church because then the ramifications are far more profound than the world. Wow. You know, Alan, I think you hit it, you know, dead on. And man, it, it really did something to when I heard you say it because it is a sin issue. Yeah. The issue is sin. I tell people, this is not a skin problem. This is a sin problem. That's absolutely right. It, it's not because, brother, you're lighter than I am or I'm darker than you. We're just different shades. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. The issue is what you say is sin. So Romans 12 says, be not conformed to the world. You hit it. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so I think what has happened and what you saw kind of happening in that context is that it was hard to tell the difference between who was a saint and who was ain't. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, we had allowed the, the, the culture to kind of influence who we are. It's like they are the thermostat for how the church responds. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking. Uh, because we should set the example oh, yeah. um, for how the world should live, you know, but yeah. yet the world is kind of setting the temperature and we're responding to it. Yeah. So when you talk about the body of Christ and and how we've allowed, you know, um, this whole divisiveness to creep over into the church, it really baffles me because as a son, and I use myself, who grew up without my dad. Most of you, if you know my story, you know that my dad committed suicide um, when I was nine. 
and um, and so you know it, it, it you know there's a deep desire for for a longing and a love for for love and stuff like that for mentorship and just for guidance and so many of the guys who have embraced me uh, throughout my life has been my lighter brothers who came alongside to me aside of me and poured into my life and just been there to encourage me so for me. Um, when you look at what's happening, this rift that is between the black church, the white church, the Latino church, and, and all of us are kind of on our own island. When you realize that at the end of the day, like, you know, like God's kingdom yeah. is diverse. Like yeah. we are cut from the same cloth. You know, yeah. people say, uh, uh, what is that? My brother from a different mother. But yeah. truth be told, if you really look at it, scripturally speaking, that ain't it. Yeah. So why can't we love? And I think that we're, we're missing something that's very important. Scripture says... Uh, to love the Lord your God with your whole heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor in your, um, as yourself. And what I think that we hadn't done well is, first of all, we hadn't loved God the way that we need to. And so when we don't love God vertically the way that we need to, it's going to impact the way that we love each other yeah. horizontally. Yeah. And, 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 and that is key. Because we, we're quick to say, oh, I love the Lord. I love him with all of my heart. But yeah. yet you hate your brother. Yeah. So how can you love God, First um, John? who you've never seen, but hate your brother who you see every day. Well, the Lord tells them what it is. You're a liar. You're a liar. That's yeah. exactly it's what John. you are. Yeah, and so we've deceived each other. And so we, we and, and, and it's very deceptive. And when you, as an individual, know deep down in the depths of your heart that maybe there's something that exists within you that shows the appearance or maybe some form of hatred and um, you know some form and, 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 and I'm, I'm not going to say that just prejudice what are you going to do about it yeah. you see you know and so it's like David right creating me a clean heart and I think that the church really has to be at a point of repentance because let me say something to those of us who may live in a bubble who say well I've never been touched by issues like this and this is not a real thing I'm saying for me personally I'm saying to you guys, I share my struggle. And what do you mean share my struggle? Based off of all the things that I've seen and I grew up around and some of the things that I've experienced as a pastor and as a young black man um, growing up, I struggled sometimes when police would get behind me. And people don't even understand that. Like, and I'm legal. I got all my papers. I got everything. I mean, I, ain't, I don't have a busted tail light. But when the police get behind me, I'm sweating. Because it's something about the victimization yeah. and the trauma that I grew up hearing about from Jim Crow to, you know, um, just police brutality yeah. that puts a sense of fear sure. in your heart. And so how sure. do you live with that? And so what I'm saying to the church, hey, yes, we love God. And, uh, and yes, we're, you know, we're, you know, great commission focus and we're trying to carry out and carry the good news in the midst of all this darkness and stuff like yeah. that. But I'm saying there's a real thing happening here. Yeah. And this real thing is causing us to be divided so much. So watch this. That there are many African-American brothers who I've talked to and y'all need to hear me say this. Who feel like that the Anglo brothers or the white brothers don't really care about the struggle yeah. that African-Americans go through. Yeah. You see, that they really don't want us in that church. One of the most heartbreaking things I've ever had happen, man, I was sitting on a panel, and a guy said, 
man, white people don't want us in their churches. And I knew that wasn't true. Yeah. So I'm sitting there as an advocate and I'm like, hey, can I say something? <laughs> I said, man, that's not true. Yeah. And what we have to understand at the church is that we need to build bridges and not explosives. Yeah. And realize, watch this now, that some of the people who are saying these things, they've gone through trauma, many of them. And sure. much of some of the stuff that they're saying has been ingrained mm -hmm. in them. And so it makes, when we begin, um, you know, to really have this hard conversation, which it is, yeah. we can't be so closed off that we don't share in the struggle of those, That's right. you see, That's right. who feel like that they've been oppressed because yeah. there's a lot going on. That's right. And we'll be in Galatians 3 and 5 this Sunday uh, after this video. Uh, but, you know, Galatians 6 right after that is bear each other's burdens. Mm. This, is, this is a mandate of God and regardless of what we feel based upon what someone who, who comes from a lighter skin tone, as you said, uh, what is in, ingrained in us, rather than taking our cues from the world and how that should, that, that should go, God's called me to bear the burdens of all brothers and sisters in Christ. And so I've got to respond. I'm compelled by Scripture. I'm compelled by God's Word to help bear the burdens of, of, of one another and respond not in apathy, right. but respond in empathy. That's right. Um, man, that, that's huge. You hit on some, some, some huge, huge topics uh, there as relates to, relates to that. I, I like to equate it as, listen, race and gender and political party, because that all gets lumped into the same, oh the same thing. Um, all of it's there. Uh, that's okay for the world to key on. Mm. But we as the church, we got bigger fish to fry. That's right. We're not talking about if someone is black or white or Hispanic or Latino or Republican or Democrat or independent or male or female here on earth. We're talking about where my where where these people are spending eternity. Right. You know, and so and so it's a higher stage for us. And so for us as the church to major on the minors, mm. we are we are committing the sin of idolatry. We're right. putting race, we put gender, we put political affiliation all over our calling to ultimately, my concern for you is not here in this world. Now I want, you know, absolutely there's ramifications for a relationship with Christ in this world, but my, my, my relationship with you, my bond with you, my desire for you goes beyond the scope of even your physical life mm -hmm. to where you're gonna spend eternity. Yes, sir. Um, and, and man, when we allow to get our cues from the world, like you mentioned, when we get our cues from the world and we don't get our marching orders from the king, Ooh. Man, that's a, that's a dangerous place to be in as a church. And we got to keep that conversation going. Mm -hmm. That, man, we're going to love each other. We're going to love, regardless of what the world is saying, we're not going to hate. We're not divided in this. Don't yeah. let the world tell us yeah. that we are. Hey, listen, we may worship a little bit different. Hey, we might like it fast. Some people make it, might, might like it slow. Some people want to lift their hands. Some people want to sit down. Yeah. You understand? But listen, the, the gospel message is the same. Amen. You see, that's Jesus right. Christ, that's, that's him. Right. That's He's right. the one who is able to bring us all together. That's and when right. we can understand that, we can work through all these different layers Amen. of divisiveness that seeks to destroy God's church. Amen. And I think it's time for us to hold up the light, hold up the bloodstained banner, and say to the world that we declare war on anything that's anti-gospel. Amen. Amen. Man, I promise you, guys, their House of Hope and Restoration 
is doing so many incredible things in this Huntsville neighborhood. But thank you for your time, man. I really appreciate it. appreciate you bringing clarity and perspective because uh, I think that's what we need, to hear it from, from somebody that I trust implicitly to give the truth. Yes, sir. Uh, and so I appreciate you, brother. I really do. Hey, make sure you get that handshake. You yeah. Got the pull in. The pull in, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Love that guy, man. Love him to death. And I'm going to tell you, if there's anybody in the community and for the community, Jarman Leatherwood is in the community and for it. So, to open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3. I'm going to be honest with you when, you. when you look at racism as we understand it today, that is so latent in everything that we see today, uh, it is difficult to come up with Scripture really to address an issue like skin color. Uh, that becomes a lot of the dividing lines in the United States is, is this how we treat people of a different skin tone, right? And I think this is why. Scripture operates with the presupposition that there is no such thing as race. There is no such thing as a division of races, right? We all are descended from Adam and Eve, right? We are all part of the same family tree. And so to take the presupposition that we are all divided in these different races is to completely go against God's design. In fact, the differences that we see in ourselves and our culture is a product of our sin. It's a product of Babel, right? Remember, let's make a name for ourselves, And because of that, God began to create divisions because we began to serve our own purposes. And so when we, we look at that, the, the division that we see in Scripture is more about nationality. It's, it's more a division of a people group apart from others. When you look throughout the Old Testament, you see people that are intensely nationalistic. They are passionate based on how they perceive God's promises. They are intensely nationalistic to the extent that they don't want to see repentance or revival come to any other people group. And this is what we see in Scripture. I think it's important on July 4th, on a day that we celebrate national independence, that we understand the blessings of God don't flow from our nationality they flow from faith in God. They flow from a relationship with him. And so we'll look at this in Galatians chapter 3 as Paul is talking to a people that are dealing with a debate about this, this ethnic, this cultural diversity between the Jews and the Gentiles. And so what we see in that, number one, is that every people would be saved through a person. Every people would be saved through a person. By the way, I don't want to go any further without telling you, uh, we will post the full interview. That was less than half of the interview that we had. We just, man, Will had to do some super editing. Uh, shocker, a bunch of pastors get long-winded. Uh, and, so, and so if you would like to watch that whole dialogue, it will be made available on Facebook. We want to make that available to you because we talked about a lot of stuff and just we just didn't have time for all of it. But... Um, but in Galatians chapter 3, what we see is every people would be saved through a person. So beginning in verse 16, all people, every tribe, tongue, and nation would be saved through a person. 
This is different than how the Hebrews interpreted God's promise to Abraham. Listen to what it says in Galatians 3, beginning in verse 16. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, plural, referring to many, but it's referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. This is incredible clarity to what the Jews missed, what the Hebrew people missed throughout Scripture. They believed because God had called them, right, through Abraham, through you and your seed, will all the nations of the world be blessed. Through you and your offspring, all the nations of the world would be blessed. And so they just assumed that because they were of the family of Abraham, they would be blessed with an incredible blessing. But what we understand is... We don't really start dealing with the Hebrew people as a whole until we get to Moses. When God gives them a law to abide by. And so scripture says of Abraham in Genesis 2.18, In your offspring all the nations of the world would be blessed. It's an unconditional offering. But look at verse 17. This is what I mean. The law which came 430 years afterward does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God. So as to make the promise void. So the law, the promise that God made through you and your seed, through you and your offspring, excuse me, will all the nations of the world be blessed. It does not change when the law comes. This predates it and it has precedent over this. For the, if the inheritance comes by the law, it is no longer it no longer comes by promise. If you're putting stipulations on a promise, it's no longer a promise. It's up to you, right? But God gave it to Abraham by a promise. And so the people of God believed, the, the Hebrew people believed that they got special standing. They were of heightened status amongst all other people groups in that they were blessed by God to be a blessing to the world. And so in many cases, they felt like even when they were dis obedient, even when they were in disobedience and defiance against God, that they were above correction, they were above penalty because they were at this heightened status. But this tells us that he was looking at Jesus all along. And so rather than being a people group that would bless the nations, it is one person that would provide the blessing of all nations. It was Abraham's seed. It was Abraham's offspring, singular. It was Jesus Christ who would provide the offering. Uh, Exodus 19.5 says, If you indeed, this is the law of Moses, if you indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the people. It's why the, the Hebrew people were just dumbfounded when they were taken off into slavery. They were taken off into exile because, wait a minute, wait a minute, where did it be the blessing? Where the the God God gave Abraham this blessing, and we're the blessing distributors to all the world. But that's not what God was communicating. The time in between God's promise, the promise of God, and to Abraham and the offspring, whoever this person would be that we know ultimately is Jesus, was governed by the law. The law was the schoolmaster. The, the, the law was a placeholder. The law, if for no other reason, served to prove that man couldn't do it on our own. We could not meet the standard. And so we see every people would be saved through a person. 
It's the first thing we see. But secondly, we see that this person would save a people. This one individual, not a people group, but this one individual, there's no preference over people group. There's just one person anointed by God, right? This person would save a people. So this is when the nationality comes into play, right? No. They are to be a specific type of person that would actually transcend all physical cultures. Listen to what it says in verse 24 through 29. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. We are made one. This is the point that Jarman and I were making. We are all one in Christ. The law is gone, so this, there's no preferential treatment. The law was to keep Israel holy until the one came, and then the one would be the blessing for all nations. And so Paul, looking back at Christ, says, now the one has come. So what is important to us is not race or creed. Or ethnicity, what is important to us is are we of the faith? Are we of the faith? Listen to verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. Now, we read that and go, yeah, of course, okay, fine. For them to hear this was a game changer. This is some of the most revolutionary words that these people would have ever read. To say that there is no longer a distinction between Jew and Greek would completely explode every worldview that they had ever grown up living in, right? It's why the Samaritan woman looked at Jesus and was astonished when he spoke to her. It's why Jonah would hate and be so upset about the revival that was happening in Nineveh because they were of the Assyrians, right? And why that, that really uncomfortable Jonah Four. We like Jonah 1 through 3, but Jonah 4 is real uncomfortable for us, right? Why? Right, because they felt like they, they had preferential treatment, right? Because he was Hebrew. And how could God be distributed to the heathen? How could God be distributed to the Gentiles? But for Paul to say there is neither. In Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek is huge. But he doesn't stop there. He said there's ne neither slave nor free. There's not someone who's living in servitude, either indentured servitude or just straight up as a servant. And there's nobody that owns a ton of land and that has influence in the community. They're all the same. He goes on. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ. This does not teach uniformity of the body of Christ. This does not teach that every one of us are the same. What we see here is the beauty of the cross bringing differences together. This is something only the cross can do. It's only the nature of the cross that can divide, that can then bridge the gap between some of these divisions. It's the only thing that is worth it enough to transcend all the other trivial stuff. And so there's things that are really apparent to me and to you, right? But it's God doesn't save through political party. God doesn't save through governments. God doesn't save even through church attendance. He saves by grace through faith. 
And this is to be the primary directive of the body of Christ. What was all important in the Old Testament was being a particular race. What was, but that was transformed in the New Testament. No longer will it be about your birth, but this new group of people, this person who would save a people, this people group would not be about birth, it would be about rebirth. As, Paul would, as, as Jesus would tell Nicodemus, you must be born again. There's a new thing that Jesus is doing. There's a new thing in light of Messiah that God is doing to bring all of the things that would divide you, Jew and Greek, male and female, Republican, Democrat, white, black, Hispanic. There is something new coming. And if you don't get on board with this, then you miss it all. You'll be divided forever until you understand it in light of what I will do for you. Making it possible through faith. Again, through faith. It's always been through faith. 430 years before the law, it was Abraham believed in God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So through faith, that transcends everything. The law sought to secure a physical lineage. It was all about a physical lineage. This is how this, this people group should operate. But Christ would secure a lineage of faith. This was a major deal in the New Testament church. In fact, there was a huge rift in the believers. Read Acts 15, and they really, all the big names in the church, anybody who was anybody in the church, in Acts 15, gathered together at Jerusalem... And they start talking like, what does this look like for us? What does this mean for us? Can the Gentiles really receive grace and they don't have to abide by any of the law? People would swoop in after Paul would preach salvation by grace through faith. And they would begin trying to indoctrinate them. Hey, listen, I know you can't be born Jew or Hebrew, so you should look just like us. And they would preach things like circumcision. And they would preach things like the observance of all the feasts and these sorts of things. But all of these things in Christ, these things become secondary issues. These divisions that once existed are done away because it's not about how we were born, but how we, if we would be reborn. Acts 15, 9, Peter stands up as the pastor of the Jerusalem church and he says, listen, brothers, God put no difference between us and them, meaning us Jews and Gentiles purifying their hearts by faith. If being Jewish couldn't save you, then I just want you to understand, if being Jewish couldn't save you, then certainly being any other nationality cannot save you. But a lot of times in the world that we live in, we equate national American patriotism with godliness. This is not going to provide salvation for us. It's not worth uniting everybody under. The only thing that can unite is the cross. And so we see then that every people would be saved through a person. That this person would save a people. A game changer, right? Saved by grace through faith, not by birth or privilege. But then thirdly, this people... Those that are saved by faith, that are of the family of God, would work to see all people saved through this person. 
This is where it ties all together. The promise of Abraham stuck. We as the church get have been entrusted with the message that God gave Abraham way back when, when he said, through you and your seed will all the nations of the world be blessed. We get the opportunity to be the vehicle of blessing to every tribe, tongue, and nation, every nationality, every ethnic group, every language, every, every person on this side of heaven, we have been given stewardship over. We've been given the responsibility to share this message. Listen to Galatians 5. Turn over a couple pages as Paul begins to put conclusion to some of his thoughts to the church of Galatia, who had been dealt a very difficult blow by these Judaizers. Listen to what he says in verse 13 through 15. For you were called to freedom, brothers. You were called to freedom, not national independence, not Anything that they would celebrate culturally, you have been called to freedom. Your message, church, is one of freedom, not bondage. Our message, the message of the gospel is freedom from bondage. You've been called to freedom. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. He tells us in verse 20, some of those things written there, enmity, strife, anger, rivalries, dissensions, and divisions. These are things that we see in the church that ought not be there. Don't use your, if you are living a divisive life, if you, are, if you are creating conflict where you go, if you're living in anger towards someone else, you are operating in the flesh. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity to sin, but through love serve one another. The Christian life is not about what we stay away from, it's about what we pursue. It's not about staying away from anger and wrath and these sorts of things. It's about pursuing Christ. What does he tell us? The fruit of the Spirit. Love, peace, kindness, and gentleness amongst plenty of others. But these, especially as it relates to these issues. And so if we're being divisive, we're operating in the flesh, not in the Spirit. Listen to what he says in verse 14. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We have been given a mandate from God to make heaven sweeter through the lost, through finding the lost, through going, going wherever we must to transcend any barrier that we see or that is in our minds is there. We are to break through those things and we are to focus on what is most important. Love covers sin. Can I tell you something, church? Before I can ever cover the sin of somebody else, or I can work to do that, i got to understand that love has been covered for my sin. God, through Christ, made a covering for a multitude of Alan Ostrisky's sin. Past, present, and future. He's covered it through his blood. Not because I'm righteous, because he's given me righteousness through his son. He's covered it. And in return... He has given me that gospel to see that others that I come in contact with of every skin tone, of every language, of every gender to preach good news to them. The family of faith. 
There's a lot of things that can divide. And we've got CRT, we've got critical race theory, man, we've got LGBTQ and whatever letters else we want to assign to those things. But here's what I can tell you about every single one of those people. Regardless if you agree or disagree with them, every single one of those people are made in the image of God and God is worthy of their worship. So that should be our desire, to reach them. Not to change them and then hopefully we'll get them the gospel, but to reach them as Christ reached us in love in the middle of our filth. God's called us to it. This we can unite under. But there's nothing else that cuts that mustard. There's nothing else that makes that kind of difference. But the family of God. So if you're here today and you've never responded this gospel I want you to know that God has gone through great lengths to be in a relationship with you but it's by grace through your faith if you would trust him today as your Lord and Savior you can enter a relationship with God today he's made it available for me and he's made, he makes, has made it today available for you so on this day as crazy of a topic as this might seem for salvation Christ has covered every base he has transcended every barrier to bring the gospel to you today that if you would respond in faith and hope in him you could be made new you could be part of the family part of the family of faith a new people group whose mission is to share that message with the rest of the world. This is the rallying cry of the church. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And so with every head bow and eye closed, as we enter a time of invitation, whether you're here in person or you're at home, on the road, whatever the case may be, whatever the circumstances, live streaming this or, or watching a pre-recording, God has made a way for you to know him, but not just to know him, but he has enlisted you and an incredible opportunity to be a part of what he's doing in the life of the world that you live in. So if you're here today and you need to respond to the message of the hope of the gospel, there are counselors who would love to meet with you, love to talk to you about how you can know that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can know today that you may have been, you walked in here on your way to hell, you leave a new creature on your way to eternity with God forever. And if you're here and you need to make that decision, you're the most important person in this room. But maybe God is convicting you in other ways. Maybe we have majored on the minors. I have. You have. Maybe we just need to repent. Listen, this altar is here. Not just for individual sin, but to pray for the healing of this country and this church. His bride. To intercede for those that would seek to divide. That ultimately our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the enemy. And maybe we need to do battle with the enemy in prayer here at this altar. But whatever God lays on your heart, I pray that you would respond. If it's salvation, great. If you need to follow Christ in baptism as William portrayed in his great example today, do it. Whether it's to join our church, whatever the case may be, I pray that you would respond to the hope of Christ today. Father, have your will and way in our lives and forevermore. Destroy any notion that is within us that we can 
accomplish anything remotely close to salvation on our own. And God, in that attitude of dependence, let's respond to you and your incredible invitation who has conquered all. We can take heart because you have overcome this world. Let's respond to your invitation today. Pray for those that need to make decisions. Pray that they would do it. Pray for those that need to move. Pray for those that need to need to make this altar or just a place where they can lay down sin in their life or where they can intercede for others. But God, that you would be glorified in these next few moments would be our prayer in this place. For it's in your holy name we pray. Amen. And amen. Would you stand to your feet? Would you come? If you need to make a decision, whatever decision may be, would you come? We've got counselors waiting. We'd love to talk to you about anything that you need. Would you respond to Christ today? How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. That he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasures. Great love, church. How great the pain of searing loss. The Father turns his face away as wounds which Mother chosen one. Bring many sons to glory. How about you? Behold the man upon the cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him until it was accomplished his dying breath has brought me life i know that it is finished it's a good word church it's finished it's finished we get the opportunity to leave this place in that victory man what freedom what freedom to celebrate today. What better day to celebrate the freedom that we have purchased for us on the cross of Calvary. If you're visiting with us online, I want you to know there's a way for you to respond as well. Uh, if you, for whatever reason, made any decision today, if you will look at the initial post, there's a uh, link there to our Connect card. If you would, fill that out. Let us know any decision that you made. We would love to follow up with you. And likewise, you in person. For whatever reason, didn't make a decision today, we would like to do that and indicate that on the Connect card. You can fill that out in your bulletins and you can drop it in that bucket on the way out as you leave today. Amen? Happy 4th, y'all. Y'all check out these announcement videos and we'll be dismissed. Good morning, North family. It's Joseph. And I've got a couple things for you before you leave. First, our women's ministry luncheon is happening on July 24th at 12 p.m. This is a free event for ladies of all ages. So please sign up by July 18th. You can do this by following the link on your bulletin or stop by the next steps table. Next, we have our Tuscaloosa mission trip coming up on July 30th through August 1st. 
We're helping our mission partner down in Tuscaloosa with a block party and assisting with their mobile church on Sunday morning. The only cost is hotel and food. There are only four spots left, so sign up today if you want to come. And finally, we're changing our childcare options starting in August. We'll offer full preschool and children's church during both our 9 and 10.30 service times. That's right, full childcare for both services starting on August 8th. It's our vision to create two identical services that are identical for every family to attend. And we'll need extra volunteers and we've been looking for you. So if you need a place to get plugged in, please consider joining the preschool or children's rotation to serve and make things happen in what we do. Thanks for all the volunteers. We truly appreciate each and every one of you. And that's all for today. We hope you have a great 4th of July and we'll see you next time. All right, man, it's good to see everyone. As always, I uh, want to remind you, on your way out, the offering buckets are in the back. If you came prepared to give and cash your check, you can do that using the envelopes and the chair backs in front of you. If you're a guest with us, we never ask our guests to give. We just ask that you take your Connect card and put that in the offering bucket on your way out uh, as you leave. Uh, a couple of other ways you can give. You can text North Give.